Welcome to the Hustlers Manifesto podcast. We jailbreak from toxic hustle culture. We take Hustler back from the belief that bigger is better, security is contingent on compliance, and freedom is reserved for the powerful. I'm your host, Sarah Duran. I'm not here to tell you how to make a quick buck. I'm here to change the way work is done so we can live more meaningful lives right now instead of betting on an uncertain future. If you value this content, please rate it and comment on this podcast wherever you get it. Thanks for being part of the movement. Hi, Austin. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I am great. How are you? I am excited to be here and chat with you today. Yeah, same. Um, so, um, we were just chatting before we, um, hit record. So we have lots, I think we've got lots of stuff that we can touch on today. Um, but before we get there, um, let's just start off by having you tell us who you are. Um, what is your work and why do you do it? So my name is Austin L. Church. You will have to forgive me the pretentious middle initial. I use it because otherwise I would be confused online with all of the churches in Austin, Texas. So uh, the work that I do right now is split between fractional CMO engagements. So I am a part-time marketing leader for companies who need help with like strategy, planning, prioritization, leadership, decision-making, hiring, moving big projects forward, like all the marketing stuff. And then like, especially the leadership and strategy layer that is all around that sort of the duct tape, like that's what I do. And um, especially love working with companies in the creator economy. So that's roughly half. The other half I would call mentorship. There's a lot of like content. There's a lot of education and training around, hey, like here's this freelance opportunity. You know, you've got these creative skills, but you know, my background is in freelance writing. Being a writer and being able to produce the work product is just very different than being able to make money as a writer. And how do you build not just a freelance business, but a deeply satisfying business that is also sustainable, that is like moving you toward your long-term financial and lifestyle goals. So I call that like the income lifestyle sweet spot. Um, Because at a certain point, it's not just about making more money. It's more about um, optimizing for your life, not just for making more money. So um, I love geeking out about what I call shareable advantages, you know, the levers that exist that if you lean into them, you get better results with less effort. Like that is just an ongoing obsession. And so a lot of my training just revolves around not like, hey, you know, here's how to become a better copywriter, but like, hey, here's a specific process for creating better positioning so that you stand out in the marketplace and you kind of have first right of refusal on your dream clients. So um, that's a very long-winded answer. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that's perfect. Um, And I think, I mean, I think you touched on this a little bit and we're like totally on this. I'm totally on the same page with you about um, this sort of like tipping point and how you're optimizing your time and your money towards like 
my the way I always talk about it is just like work that serves life, um, mm. not the other way around. And so tell like tell us why. Like, why do you do, especially like as we talked about before we hit record, you and I both wear these like multiple hats and like real meta, like I am a freelancer and I like coach other freelancers, talk about freelancing, think about freelancing all the time. Um, why why do you do this work? So I do this work one because I, I like it. Um, and I was just writing about this this morning. This is not a rabbit trail, I promise. Um, I think in the Western hemisphere, we both place too much emphasis on work and also not enough. And so in my own life, I'm constantly looking for the work that I don't need a vacation from, right? A vacation becomes unnecessary because I find the work itself so fascinating. So that's one reason why I do this work um, is because I enjoy helping people solve high level marketing problems. It's interesting to me. Um, so even when I am on vacation, if I need to take the odd call with a CEO who's my client or I need to do the odd coaching slash mentoring session with a freelancer um, I work with, it it's not disruptive. It's just, I enjoy these people and I enjoy this work. So that's kind of what I'm optimizing for as self-serving as that sounds is like, I want to optimize for my own satisfaction, my work. So that's why I'm doing this work right now is I love it. Um, if that changed then yeah, I would probably need to, you know, reinvent myself, find a different career. Um, but I'm also, I, I very much consider myself a writer too, and I'm working on a book. And so giving that um, its due place of importance in my life has contributed to the satisfaction too. Like writing each and every day um, is fun for me. And I like who I am better when I'm writing all the time, if that makes sense. So that's why I do the work I do because I enjoy it. I don't know well, if that, is that an answer? No, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's the best answer. I was just talking to someone um, yesterday who has a, like a quote unquote normal job. And we were talking about, you know, the, like, I got a case of the Mondays or like the Sunday nights or the, and it's like, and the Wednesdays and the Tuesdays. And I was like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say that, like, I don't wake up sometimes on a Monday and, like, still wish it was Sunday, but, like, yeah. I'm with you. Like, I genuinely enjoy what I do and, like, have it very intentionally designed my work and my business to make sure that I'm, like, optimizing joy as much as humanly mm -hmm. possible. Are there things yeah. that I have to do during the day or the week that, like, I don't love as much? Sure. There are some of those things, but... um it's this incredible power that I think freelancers have more so than definitely more so than I think people that work for other people. And I think more so than like entrepreneurs who like have a team, because at that point you get your, you're not just beholden to like your own joy. Like you have other people who are relying on you. And so I think there's this, it's something I've really been reflecting on is this super unique power of like the solopreneur to just like, constantly be like maximizing your business to give you mm -hmm. exactly what you need in life. Yes. And it's a power that 
we can and should exercise. I sometimes call it spending your freedom. You know, if you've tried to gain freedom in your career, um, sort of don't fall asleep to it. Make sure that you are spending it, whether that is, hey, I, I want to work fewer hours per week so I can volunteer at my kid's school or so I can, whatever it is, right? Um, look at your calendar, look at the composition of your days and design your business so that it supports the life that you really want. And to your point, it's like, that's not every entrepreneur's goal or motivation. But for a lot of us who kind of want our work to be fascinating, I think that's why we're on this path is so that we can um, have that autonomy. 100%. Um, something that um, you talk a lot about on um, LinkedIn and in your newsletter, and I know that you're writing a book about this right now, and it's the num. well, it is one of the top three things that I always have conversations about when I'm talking to other freelancers is pricing, money, worth, all of these things. So mm. I know that you're like deep in thinking mm. about all of this stuff right now. And I'd love for you to just like, to give us like, what is your, what is your best thinking around this, around pricing and um, money mindset? at this moment? So one thing that comes to mind immediately is that whatever story you're telling yourself about money, other people tell themselves a different story. And I think one of the most helpful things that we can do is, has two parts. One, find that positive mentor, someone who actually shares your values and who uh, provides a similar service and yet has a very different set of beliefs around money because you'll realize that your beliefs or the story you're telling yourself, you know, they aren't the right ones. The, the story isn't the right one. Maybe to some degree there is no right or wrong. It's just, are your beliefs about money serving you? And if you find someone else, who's getting the results that you'd like to be getting, if you were really honest, you know, how is their money story or how are their money scripts different than yours? Right. And I have found that like, I had a lot of scarcity mindset early on. And then, Oh, I had this one friend who's like, Oh yeah, money isn't hard to make. And it was like, like the screeching record. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? And it was like, and he went on to say, yeah, there's like no correlation between how hard you work and how much money you make. There's so many more factors that are involved. And I'm like, he's got a point. Like some of the days where I worked the hardest, quote unquote, were the days I actually made the least money. So this sort of, this sort of correlation between effort and results, um, we pick up beliefs about that, you know, another day, another dollar, an honest day's work. And you're like, no, it doesn't mean that people who've made a lot of money made it dishonestly or even had to work the way, you know, hard per se. Maybe they just um, got in at the right time in a certain community of people, right? So maybe it was more about relationships than 
the sweat of their brow, so to speak. So that's the first thing. Find a positive mentor, someone who, again, is not a criminal, like someone who shares your values and ethics. And you can look at them and say, they're making the kind of money I want to be making in the way that I would imagine myself making it. They show up in the world the way I would like to show up in the world. So if they can do it, why not me, right? The counterpart to that is a negative mentor. Find someone who you know is making more money than you, who you would kind of consider an idiot. And I don't even mean like in a negative, like like someone that um, you actually think is like stupid. I mean, someone that you can look at them, listen to them, kind of watch the way they show up in the public sphere and say, I don't think that person is so much more intelligent, so much more talented. They don't have like they don't have some like inherent God-given like uh, X factor that enables them to do this, right? So again, if they have figured it out, why can't I? And I think the biggest thing with pricing is that like why can't I attitude or posture? Because once you get there, once you say, why not me? Then I think you can reach for a like good, sturdy pricing methodology. And that's what my book is about. It's like, here are the steps for setting your prices. Here's how your rates are different than your prices. Rates are what you use to calculate prices, but they're not necessarily something you publish online, right? But the hard thing to kind of teach is you that um why not me attitude or posture and i would sometimes call it swagger there's some swagger that precedes being able to charge what you think you're worth like people will not charge what they're worth until they start believing in their worthiness and so that's kind of what the book is about is yeah it's weird that everybody could have access to the same steps, the same pricing methodology, and yet some people will get much, much better results. And that has almost nothing to do with their relative talent and it has everything to do with their confidence, like knowing what to charge and then going out and actually doing it are two very different things. So why does the second group actually go out and do it? And a lot of it comes back to mindset. So uh, nobody wants to read a book about like money mindset for freelancers, right? So that will probably come later in the book. The first part of the book will be like, here's how you set your prices. Great. You have smart strategic prices. Oh, and by the way, probably should upgrade your mindset too. Here's the chapter on that. So um, there's just, there's a lot we could unpack there. That's the that's just the prologue. Yeah. I mean, it the mindset and I also feel like you're you're totally right. I feel like the word mindset gets thrown around a lot um these days and people I think take it for granted or think it's like a little bit woo or whatever. But I think that it, it's so it's so true that like you you have to you have to like fundamentally shift the way you think about yourself and your business in order to like you said with the swagger be able to like walk into 
a Zoom room or an actual room or a phone call or a conversation with mm-hmm. a potential client and be able to just like own it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, um, there are so many like other factors that play into that. Um, something that I talk about a lot is um, boss mindset. And I think it's also like, it. a, it's like a reinforcing pe- like worth. Whenever I do a workshop on boss mindset, we always end up talking about worth the most. Um, Mm. It's like it could take over the whole workshop, but they're so intertwined because if you're and I think especially for freelancers, because I think freelancers sometimes think of themselves, don't think of themselves as businesses. They think of Mm -hmm. themselves as, quote unquote, just a freelancer. And if you're adopting a mindset where you're thinking of yourself as a business, you're you're calling yourself a business, you're pricing yourself as a business, not an individual, all of those things um, reinforce the way that you're like showing up in the world, Mm -hmm. showing up in those conversations with people. And people can sense that. Like they can sense one person could come to the table with like this cost $20,000 and another pe- person could come to the table with the exact same, mm-hmm. exact same proposal, exact same price. And it's the com- the confidence in knowing that that's what you're worth is what is mm-hmm. the difference in someone saying yes or no. And it's, it's, it can be taught like that confidence can be taught. Although I think it is learned. And I think the only way to, build your confidence is to get out there and start, you know, putting a higher price in front of someone. Right. And I do want to clarify, I don't think about swagger as a cavalier attitude or a kind of cockiness. It's more about self-advocacy. Like a big part of the, my process is what is it that money even represents or symbolizes for you? So like when you think about making more money as a freelancer, what is the texture of your life then once you start making more money? Um, You need to hold that picture in your mind so that when you come to the negotiation table, so to speak, and somebody pushes back on price, it's not just, well, could I afford to make less for this project? Maybe. But if you have that picture in your mind of like, no, like I know why I set that price. I set that price because I eventually, you know, want to send my kids to a private school. You know, we want to like renovate our house. Um, We want to give generously to this church or this cause or this individual. Like, so I'm advocating for that dream. I'm not just assigning an arbitrary price to something squishy called creativity. And so that's a big part of it, right? Is not just like, how do I price creativity? It's what do I need to make to not go into debt each month? I call that survival rate, you know, and survival number, your survival rate comes from your survival number. Dream number is like, what do I really need to be making each month? so that I'm making definitive progress on my long-term financial goals, you know, and real life freelancing, right? Your prices will sometimes bounce back and forth between your survival rate on the low end and your dream rate on the high end, right? But as long as you're making something above your survival rate, 
you know that you're moving your business forward. You know that you're advocating for that dream. You're advocating, you're advocating, advocating for the people in your life. Like I'm not sole, but primary breadwinner in my family. And so I'm not just thinking about myself. I'm not even just thinking about like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool to have a pool in the backyard? I'm thinking about like opportunities for my kids. I'm thinking about now, like back to school clothes, right? So um, I think when we talk about confidence or swagger or whatever it is, I'm not just talking about someone who has like a flashy personality. I'm someone, I'm, I'm thinking about someone who's like deeply grounded in what the money's even for when it comes. I love that so much. Something that um, I talk about a lot when I work with people on like setting goals is using qualitative versus quantitative measures for your goals. And so I love that because it is like having this super visceral image in your mind of like, so uh, like someone will say, you know, my goal is like within the next year, I want to make $300,000. And I'm like, that's fine. And what does that $300,000 do for your life? Like, what does it look Mm -hmm. like feel like, sound like, like, what does it do in your life? Um, Mm -hmm. Because you're so much more connected to those goals. um, If you have those sort of like qualitative, like looks like feels like type of metrics for yourself. And I think you're absolutely right. It makes it, it makes it feel very different um, when you're, when you're showing up in those spaces and talking about your pride, like I, it, it changes your swagger. And it, I love that. Mm-hmm. Like I, a, I love that word. Um, and I think you're absolutely right that it is like, it's this level of confidence that is not about like, I'm better than anyone else. Or like, mm-hmm. I, um, or, or I don't know, like it, how else to describe it, but it really is like, you are super confident that like you are there and you are the best person to solve that problem for that client. And mm-hmm. you have this unique skill set that you're bringing to the world that is different than anyone else's skill set, even though there's a million other graphic designers or a million other writers or for me, a million other project managers. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it completely changes the the texture of the conversation, I think. Like I remember back when I was like still on the dating scene, the most the women who were most attractive to me were the ones who just liked being themselves. So it was a kind of, it was an inner thing as much as anything. And so I think not that we're ever dating our freelance clients. Right. But when you think about confidence and you think about knowing your worth, ironically for a freelancer to know her worth is very attractive to clients because we feel like we're in better hands with confident people. Even if that's not always true, there is a certain thing called overconfidence bias. We could talk about that another time. Right. But um, if you come to the, like you meet them and you are confident in what you charge and you're confident in your ability to deliver positive outcomes. And then it turns out that your prices are higher than somebody else. Like I still like who is going to do a better job at soothing that client's uncertainty about the future? Is it the person who's confident in her process, in her outcomes, in her prices, in her overall client experience, or someone who feel who comes across as insecure 
right? So again, I wasn't confident when I got started doing this stuff. It all comes through practice, right? So it's that weird sort of chicken and egg thing where, hey, you're going to command higher prices when you're more confident. But the only way to develop the confidence is to start charging higher prices before you feel ready. Like, <laughs> I know that sucks. That's contradictory, chicken and egg. But I will say that has been my experiences. Sometimes you put the price out there, it's higher than you've ever charged before. Your knees are kind of shaking in your boots. You think you someone may be about ready to laugh you out of the room. And then they say something like, sure, when can we start? And you're like, what? Like I just mm -hmm. tacked like a 40% premium on just to see what would happen. And they didn't blink. And you're like, what have I been doing with my life up mm -hmm. to this point? Right? Yep. Then you're like, maybe I should have made it just a little bit yeah, that's higher. Right. <laughs> that's right. Um, it's so that's true. Right. It's so true. And you're, and I, when you're doing that, you're, um, I was just, I was literally just having a conversation about this yesterday with someone where it's like, you, the only, it sounds so simple, but it really is like, you just have to do it. Like you just have to do it. Like there is a method, like there is a whole, like, how do you price yourself? All the, all those things, right? There is a methodology, but like but fundamentally that time, you know, where you just, yeah. it's like being on the high dive at the pool as a kid. And you're kind of like, someone can tell you, I promise if you jump up off, you will be fine. Like impacting the water from this height is not going to injure you, but your mind is still screaming at you that it's too much. Mm -hmm. It's too high. And, but eventually you have to, maybe that's when you need a friend to come like shove you from behind. Right. <laughs> that's right. Sarah is that friend, right? She's like, you need to raise your prices. <laughs> and now I'm going to shove you. I'm going to push you over <laughs> the edge. Yeah. It's and you'll thank me later. Totally. And it's, it's like self, um, it's like self-reinforcing, I think too, or, and reinforcing, I think to the broader community of freelancers, because the other thing is like for this person I was talking to yesterday, I show like, I showed her a proposal I had written and I was like, this is exactly how I priced it. And I was like, this is what, this is what I would ask for if I were you. And it was this mm. transparency, right? Like, that's the other thing that I think we get, um, into traps with is like, people i mean a you don't have that luxury is another thing that goes with the boss mindset like we, you don't have the mm -hmm. luxury of not talking about money with people anymore yes when you work for yourself um but you but we have to be like sharing that kind of information with people we have mm -hmm. to be like upfront about like here's how i price things and like if for the same type like we do the same type of work here's what i would price that as and it's like a lot higher than that she was positive thinking. mentor for her at that point because she's like wait I don't think Sarah is a bad person. In fact, I admire her. And what is it about? And I don't think she's 10 times better than I am, like in terms of talent or skills or results, right? So like I, as much as I can, I tried to sort of de, like demystify anything about my expertise for my students and for my clients. Because I'm like, no, no, don't. I'm not that big of a deal. I promise you can do this too. It's, it's almost just like knowing that you can, mm -hmm. right? It's like, we're all babies crawling around on the ground. And then one baby stands up and manages to walk on two feet. You're like, clearly it's possible. <laughs> now I just need to figure out the first shaky steps, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's, 
that's a big part of it with freelancing is just realizing that other people prove that it's possible. Why not me? Yeah. And then the people that come after you that interact with that, you're also setting that expectation with the client that like any freelancer that comes after you is Mm -hmm. now like they have a different foundation to stand on. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're also just like, you're raising the standard across anyone who's interacting with freelancers every time you're raising it up. Um, Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's also training the client and training the economy, the ecosystem that like, this is what we're worth. Yes. So this one time I had a startup in Brooklyn um, push back when I mentioned I was going to charge them a deposit. And they're like, well, we've never had a freelancer charge us a deposit before. And sometimes I'm pretty circumspect. I mean, I'm a Southerner, like I'm polite to a fault sometimes. Sometimes I'm able to like chuck that aside and just be blunt. And that, this is one of those situations where I was like, sounds like you're hiring the wrong freelancers. Because if they are not charging you a deposit, they're taking unnecessary risk on themselves. Um, and if I were to coach any of the freelancers you've worked with, I would tell them, don't start working until you've gotten paid. The people at the startup aren't working for free. Why are you? You know, believe it or not, it didn't ruin the relationship with the startup. Um, I was like, here's why I charge this way. And believe it or not, you actually want me to run my business this way. That way, next week, when someone is feeling all the urgency, they can't take your spot in line because you've already paid for your spot in line. So when I add you to my production queue, I have scheduled your project. I'm going to be doing your projects when I said I was going to do them, keeping my commitments. Don't you want me to run my business like a business? Because that doesn't that ultimately de-risk the whole thing? Anyway, he ultimately got it. But you know, why did I risk that conversation? I'm like, because I don't want this um, CMO at a startup thinking that it's okay for freelancers to work for free, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, maybe it's it means that I'm like the cantankerous old man in the freelance world now, or I'm like, get, you know, get off my lawn or whatever you <laughs> disrespectful startup. But anyway, I, I'm with you. I take it very seriously that like a rising tide floats all boats. And so if we can elevate one another, then we elevate freelancing as a whole. Yep. I think that is 100% true. Um, I had a a conversation with someone who was telling me about how her, one of her clients was just like nitpicking um, her like billing. Like you couldn't possibly have spent that much time doing that. Things like that. And she had Mm. to, she had to, you know, similarly with the with the pricing and deposit, like all the things, like standing your ground as a capital B business, not quote unquote just a freelancer. Um, and I was like, you like standing your ground with her is training her that like 
that is not like that is not how you operate with like mm-hmm. this is what freelancers do this is the level of um this is the standard that we're holding on to and mm-hmm. you're training every freelancer that comes training her for every freelancer that comes after you um yes. to be to not have to deal with that so like every yes. time you have to have one of those uncomfortable conversations um it is uncomfortable whether it's about like i'm charging this amount of money for it or i want to deposit or like this is how I bill and like, no, I'm not going to like spend an hour on the phone with you explaining what mm-hmm. I did with that hour. Um, every time you have one of those uncomfortable conversations, you are um, right. Like you said, you're raising the tide for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, I will say like, I have wonderful clients and it's not like the difficult conversations. It's, I mean, it's not like I have had dozens and dozens of them over the last 14 years. So uh, like anyone who listens to our conversation later and who's like, Ooh, like freelancing sounds really intimidating. It's like, it's not so different than life. It just comes back to boundaries and whether it's a friend or family member or a spouse or whoever, eventually you have to have those difficult conversations because there's health on the other side. Like, you know, if, dysfunction like there's dysfunction and now we work through the difficulty and now we have better functioning or healthy functioning and so i think a lot of it in for freelancers with difficult conversations is um honestly having to retrain our clients to show them that professionalism goes both ways and yes they're hiring me to help with something but that doesn't make me the help Mm -hmm. and that there's respect and there is timeliness and there are expectations that can and should flow both ways. And, you know, if you have generally my clients respond very, very well to any of those sort of like recalibration conversations, like, Hey, there's some dysfunction in our relationship. We need to recalibrate it. And they generally respond really, really well. And when they don't, that's just the sign that, you know, you probably need to part ways because who knows, maybe they will have a really, um, you know, a highly functional relationship with someone else. So, you know, it's, it's more good than bad. It's more like, like it's more healthy communication than like really difficult communication, at least in my experience. No, I think you're 100% right. I think, quite frankly, I think most of the, I can think of a few times in my experience where it was actually clients of mine who encouraged me to raise my rates or encouraged me to charge more or encouraged me to do things like that. And so I, you're 100% right. It is definitely, um, the exception, not the rule. Um, and in most, but I think that also goes back to like this, concept of like having this confidence um having this like swagger part of that i think is also like being super clear about who you want to be working with both mm-hmm. in like a you know ideal client avatar tor- type of sense mm-hmm. and also in a just a type of like i like to work with these types of people which yes. i think that goes yes. back to something you talked about before which is just this like um showing up as your most authentic self mm-hmm. in in hopefully in all experiences like going back to your story about the date like dating 
is like hopefully in all areas of your life you're showing up as your most authentic self but especially i think in a freelancer world or in the business world in general sometimes we're putting on masks or other things to like show up in a way we think people want to see us showing up yes and yes. what it does is it it attracts the wrong people to you so if you're showing yes. up in the in as your most authentic self you're much i wouldn't say it's like foolproof but you're much much more likely to be drawing the right people projects clients towards you um mm -hmm. than you are if you're showing up in a way that that people that you think people want you to be showing up so to your point, I don't enjoy the really combative form of negotiation. I've always preferred much more candid and straightforward conversations about money and about how budget affects project scope. And let's look for give and take until we find the right match of scope and budget and if I believe at that budget with that scope, I can still solve a real problem that you have, then great, we're good to go. My uh, A specific friend of mine, he kind of enjoys the sparring aspect of negotiation. It doesn't rattle him the way it rattles me. He could have someone be kind of ugly or rude to him and he just sort of shrugs it off. It would It affects me more deeply than it affects him. So he can sort of do business with other people who treat negotiation as a game, like a poker game, a poker game where there's only one winner. I don't like that. And I've found that a lot of my clients don't either. And so again, to your point, I need to look for the people who are like, let's just have a frank, straightforward conversation about money and then let's get to work. You know, and there doesn't need to be, and you know, it's not a game of Texas Hold'em, winner take all. You know, it's like very collaborative, and so yeah, I agree with you. It's like find the client, show up as your authentic self, then you will attract more good fit clients than bad fit clients. Yep, one hundred percent. Um, I feel like we could continue to talk about this for all day time. long um <laughs> but i want i think that's a good place to leave it for now and like hopefully we can have you back on again um soon to talk about m many other things um i have like a million ideas that i'm writing down as we're talking um tell us where we can find you Sure. So all of my training and freelance education goes under freelance cake. So freelancecake.com. And then I'm on LinkedIn like all the time. So if you just look up Austin potential, pretentious middle initial L church on LinkedIn, you know, you'll find me fairly easily. Come say hi. Um, but I think that'll do it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Sarah.